Welcome to the Films I Love Most podcast. Huzzah. Welcome. Hi, Keith Andrews. Do you hear me? I feel like I'm on here. Am I by myself? I see your... Hello! Keith Andrew, 2020s. You're going to change your uh, name now? Or just I'll keep it for all the 2020s? No, no, no. Because if you look, there's a very discreet the S. S at the end. So I'm no, I got it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got that. I got that. I was just curious if you're going to change it. Hey, Keith Andrews, how you doing, man? I'm Happy very New well. Year. Happy New Year to you, sir. Thank you very, very much. And, uh, oh, man, I hope it's uh, different. Nope. Listen, yes. 2020 was terrible, but I mean, I, I didn't hate it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's no. a weird transition. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I just thought that there was a lot of sitting around, not being able <laughs> to do what I wanted to do. And, <laughs> you know, getting so bored that I was having to go back and watch things like Howard the Duck. You know, that's where I was at. <laughs> <laughs> did you actually I, rewatch I, Howard the Duck? I did. Oh I man, how was it? So bad, but it's so bad. It's such a bad film. It's so it really, bad. It's good. But is Which, it like uh, worth watching for its badness? Um. Yes, it's very eighties. <laughs> it's made by George Lucas, and um, the effects are not that bad. You know, like the actual like costume of the duck and. Some of the effects, I mean, they are they are eighties, but they're not like terrible. I wouldn't look at them and go, "Wow, that's dated." It is what it is, isn't it? It's a comic book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's what we could say about all of these, <laughs> all these yeah. movies. And every horror movie is a graphic novel, you know. It's like, and, and and you know, the interesting thing about horror movies, Keith, is that that's not at all how they started. By no, any means, true. they were original ideas, which is something we've been moving further and further away from. Absolutely. And that sort of ties in slightly with what we're talking about today, because this is sequel mania and we're talking about horror sequels today. And um, I sent you a message earlier going, oh, my goodness, the list of films that I want to talk about is growing by the minute. So <laughs> I hope you're OK with me. throwing. Oh, I'm OK. I'm ready. So, I'm, I'm so ready to get into it. You have no idea. I think that the the idea that I had was, do I send Cliff like a selection of films to talk about so that he can have some sort of pre-warning. And then I thought to myself, no, because I want you to come into this cold. I want your first honest opinion. I don't want you to have like thoughts about it. I don't want you to have sort of, you know, thought, hang on a minute. I might know somebody who's in the production of that. So I'm going to be really nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, if you've, if you've not met me, you know, well, you know, on stereo or, you know, I, I don't really for art, for art, I don't care about being nice. I'm nice as a person to all human beings. But, you yeah. know, if you put your just like me, if I put myself out there artistically, you know, then I expect, and I don't expect much, but I expect my artistry to be rated and reviewed and have opinions. And if you hate it, then I expect you to say it. You know, so sure. I don't hold back ever. So if you're in something that I don't like, example, uh, a dear friend of mine, Stephen Dorff, is in a movie that just came out, and it's the guy who wrote American History X. It's an MMA movie, and it blatantly steals Warrior. I mean, it's like watching Warrior, except not good. And oh. yet, 
I love Steven and he makes a shitty movie much better, but that movie is a piece of crap. I have no, <laughs> and if Steven sucked, I would have no problem Steven saying Steven sucked, but I, I have yeah. to say, honestly, I've never really seen Steven Dorf be bad. And notice he didn't do the sequel to blade. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. I wrap shit back around Keith. <laughs> well, you know, that I love coming on here. and I just want to say thank you so much for your uh, glowing um, review of Wonder Woman uh, I, <laughs> I loved the way that you praised it and you were so giving and generous <laughs> in your um, explanation. So, I, I, I mean, that just shows what a great actor you are, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me say this, Keith, and this is the last thing I'll say about Wonder Woman. Uh, 84 is is this and i doubt it's the last thing i'll say i'm just saying right now is yeah. that if you if you were staring down the barrel of death right like you know you're, you're in a hospice and you're dying or however you're going in a long form and you know you have two and a half hours left to live had you not yeah. watched wonder woman 84 you'd have five hours left to live <laughs> just think about it it's very true just think about it it's very true and i feel i feel about that um, about a lot of films on this list that we're about to go through. I love how you wrap that back around. Let's do it, Keith. Let's Thank do it. Let's get much. into I'm this. I'm good at this. I'm good at this. At you are. You're excellent. <laughs> <laughs> you are excellent, sir. Let's let so, let's um, let's dive in. Let's dive in. First horror sequel, true or false? Bride of Frankenstein from the Universal. Would you agree? Uh, wait. So, what are you saying? Am I agreeing? Worst or best? What did you say? Sorry. Start over. So, Bride, so Bride of Frankenstein, I would say mm -hmm. that, that is probably the very first successful uh, horror movie sequel. Would you agree? Is that the first? I, I mean, was there anything before that? It's 1935, right? Yeah, absolutely. So is there any sequels before that? Or is that the first one? Because if it is, then I would say, you know, obviously I agree. And it was, you know, it's pretty good, especially for 35. Yeah. And, and I think it, it, it barely ran an hour and a half. Yeah, just like the original Dracula with uh, Bella Lugasi was like an hour and fifteen minutes. I mean, perfect. And that yeah, was I think that's what. Stop. Oh, sorry, Keith. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think that's what Bride was, wasn't it? Like eighty-five minutes or something, or a seventy-five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna look it up. So Let's I've, look it up. I've looked. Bride right of Frankenstein. It is. The, uh, it's an hour and fifteen, dude. Hour and fifteen minutes. Yeah. Short and sweet. Right. And by um, the way, 98% I'm seeing on Rotten Tomatoes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if we could have left it at that, we would have been fine. Sure. And I think it's from the success of Bride of Frankenstein that they decided to do like the Invisible Man sequels and the Creature from the Black Lagoon sequels. I mean, it went a little bit off the rails with Universal and their sequels to the point where, you know, Albert and Costello were just like, oh, yeah, can I borrow Frankenstein for the weekend? We want to make a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But you, you look at you. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it just went crazy with the way that they were just recycling. They sort of hit that success, you know, very early on in the, um, you know, in the talkies, you know, when it swapped over from silent movies to talkies. And then you've got this, mm -hmm. like, success of Dracula, Frankenstein, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Invisible Man, uh, Wolfman, of course. You've had this massive success. And they just, I think that was the first instance of American like Hollywood movies milking the shit out of a franchise. <laughs> well, yeah, listen, I mean, and then I don't think we've ever really stopped. If you 
nope. look at it, you know, linearly or, or otherwise. I mean, you can start pulling from anywhere and still see like this is something that, listen, you know, it, it really defines that it's a, uh, you know, it's show business and not show fun or show art. You know, this is a this is a business mostly run by suits and, and you know, non-artistic um you know, MBAs. And that's not uh, the best. It's a fine mix because artists can't run it, but it's, there isn't a mix. You don't have the art in, you're having MBAs decide all these things. And then you're saying, you're the artist, you're the artist. And half the time they're not picking artists. They're picking um, practitioners. They're picking uh, journeymen or uh, people who, you know, I, I would equate them to people who went to vocational school. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I I'm agree with saying. you. You know, I mean, you don't yeah, yeah. see Guillermo del Toro doing Hellboy or the reboot. You know, it's it's some bullshit director and Ron Perlman ain't doing it. And it's, uh, you know, it, people go, no, no. The artists go, no. Unless there's just so yeah. much money that they're like, fuck it. Yeah, that's it. No, I mean, I, I have a gag re reflex when you mentioned the Hellboy remake. Sorry. Oh, I, yeah, I'm no, a little no, bit, it's... I always do a little bit of sick in my mouth when I hear the words Hellboy remake. Just yeah. Oh, by the way, um, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, <laughs> sir. It was the worst thing. Uh, probably only the third, second or third movie I've ever walked out of in the cinema. It was worth walking out of. It's almost worth buying the ticket just to walk out. <laughs> Love that. Or buying the yeah. Blu-ray just to use it for Frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I bought the Blu-ray so I could fling it and against a wall and break it. Yeah. <laughs> it's that so bad. Funny. Yeah. I mean, but well, again, I'm we've really talked about this, Keith. The slippery yeah. slope of uh, you know, IP, you know, pre-existing IP, etc. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. And I think that you're probably going to use that phrase quite a lot during um this conversation when we get to the get to the 80s. <laughs> um so I would really love to get into a time machine, travel back in time, pick up Mary Shelley, bring her to sort of 1940s, 50s Hollywood when they're making Son of Frankenstein and just asked her, what do you think? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like that moment. <laughs> well, it's like that moment in uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, not Bride of Frankenstein, you got me crazy. The, the moment in yep. Annie Hall, where it's like, you knew nothing about Marshall McLuhan or his work. And it's like, what do you mean? Yeah. And he just pulls Marshall McLuhan out of the side. He's like, I heard what you're saying, and you know nothing of me or my work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Huh? I mean, I just think, you know, like these huge uh, masterworks that they were drawn upon during that like the 1930s and 40s and then mm -hmm. when it just became the franchise i just think wow i mean the source material just means nothing to you nothing no nothing i mean and then you'll have someone made they made a mary shelley movie right the mary shelley film yeah yeah i'd rather see that absolutely i mean she was an amazing woman she's one of my favorites you know, I love the, sto the story of uh, the birth of Frankenstein and how she came up with the story that, that she it was a writing competition between her and Byron and they like wanted to write the scariest story. And she wrote, went away and wrote Frankenstein. I think it's great. It's, it's great fantastic. And on top of it, it's Elle Fanning and she's just the great. You know, you can't do anything. She does nothing. Her and Dakota, it's like the Fannings were just born to be like female Daniel Day Lewis's. Yeah, I fanboy over the Fannings, definitely. Fanboy the Fannings. I love it. I do too, by the way. Follow them both on Instagram. <laughs> watch their stories. Don't care. 
Don't I care. love them. Love them. Yeah, I don't care. Okay. So, <laughs> what do we got? What do we got, Absolutely. man? Bring it, Keith. What do we got? We've got, uh, well, we've, we've pretty much covered Brian the Frankenstein creature in the Black Lagoon. Dracula. I mean, poor Dracula. He was brought back from the dead. I'm sure he was just thinking, really? Oh. Really? I've been staked <laughs> how many times now? I've had more steaks than Jeff Ross. Come on. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Jeff Ross, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jeff Ross. He is a walking sequel. One of the nicest I've guys just, in showbiz, by I've the way. I just found out who he is, so <laughs> that's why I'm using him every sentence. <laughs> no, Jeff Ross is absolutely a vampire. He has no, he's aware of it, too. If anyone's yeah. the Nosferatu of funny, it's that guy. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I literally found out today who he was, but never mind. I'm, you know, I, I feel oh, you like never, I'm you never knew kids. who he was before that? I'm, no, I'm down with the stereo kids now. I know who he is. Oh yeah, no, he's a he's a you know he's quite a big deal in a Cliff, small. For about three weeks, life. I thought he was the guy with the afro who used to paint little bushes. Oh no, not not the <laughs> no, what's his name, the guy with the painting thing. My friend yes, David I know, uh, like, went to his... Bob Ross. I got my Bob Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bob Ross's paintings were a lot of sequels. He did a lot of trees. Here's tree number two. Here's tree number three. Absolutely. I love Bob like, Ross. He was so happy. Loved, Again, um, not Bob Ross. Not Bob Ross. Bob Ross was the guy who loved a lot of bush. I know that now. <laughs> <laughs> but Dracula, though, you bring, you bring something up with Dracula. Other, other beers are, are available. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you bring something today. up. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Keith, you bring something up with Dracula, though, because how long or, or let's say how many times is it? Where does it get considered a sequel as opposed to, you know, uh, just remake, remake, reboot, remake? I mean, Dracula has been going on since Bela Lugosi. What is it? 1934? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been going on for so long. I mean, I know that the guy is undead and can never die, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> This is it serious. is. I mean, it's 1931, so... and it's so boring. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but Dracula the original 1931 is so boring. There are scenes where the camera is just on the wall, and you could just hear what's going on because obviously they couldn't afford things. So, um, mm. and it's like a play. It is like watching a play. It's not great. It's not a great film. Yeah. But, well, Mark, you know, when I first but, saw it. They took a piece of it. I was in this, um, I spent half my, uh, some of my schooling, uh, half the day was uh, in this program of the arts for creative enrichment. The other half was academic. And in the pace section of my day, one of the things they showed us was uh, this clip from Dracula and Bela Lugosi and the music is playing and he's got his cape and he's running through the city. It's like this one long high shot of Bella running. And, you know, it's the movie, the music's on and it's scary. And then they showed us the same exact clip without the music and it was like a joke it was like this old dude running through the city holding a cape going like ah. you know like oh my god music <laughs> is everything like imagine yeah. if they didn't have the music if it was just a play we'd be in bigger trouble yeah absolutely well here's a little fun fact for you the director of the Give film it. was actually adapted from the play and the last time that bella lugasi played dracula was in the uk because the play was put on here and he toured with it so that was the last time that he played Dracula. It was right here in the UK. Mm. I, I, I wouldn't have mind seeing that, to be honest. I wonder what kind of reviews it got. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
a little biting. Okay. I think that's probably well, <laughs> a little biting. Good one, Keith. <laughs> I like that. But, but yeah, I, I really get stumped with Dracula. Sorry, go ahead. Of course, what? Well, I was going to say, but then of course, uh, you know, us Brits looking across the seas, looking at Universal, making these big budget like vampire movies. And we thought, you know what? We want a bit of that, but we're going to add a little bit of like English folk horror to the mix. And then we created mm -hmm. Hammer Horror Films. I mean, That's okay, so let's get into that. Yeah, Hammer Horror. Um, I think most notably are popular for Christopher Lee's portrayal as Dracula. I think yeah. he's probably the most famous uh, Hammer Horror star. Um, him and Peter Cushing, of course, uh, played multiple roles in multiple uh, like facets of Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman again. Uh, there were some original things. There was a lot of like lesbian vampirism going on in the um, Hammer Horror films in the 70s, which um, my dad said he really enjoyed. I think that's a bit weird. But um, <laughs> Well, wait, let, yeah, let's just so tell people who don't know that, that Hammer was theatrically released uh, feature length films that were produced by Hammer Productions in the UK. And I'm, I'm actually looking yeah. this up now just so I get it right. Um, it says when two titles are shown for a single film, oh, the first title was released in the UK. So they've been operating since 1935. You're absolutely right, Keith. They, they got the inkling and they're like, mm -hmm. nope, we're going to do it on our own. Yep, absolutely. And they run with it and they run, and they were very, very popular. I would say that they were like the horror equivalent of the Bond movies. Do you know what I mean they they're still making movies? Like, yeah, they released like two a year. They actually made um, Woman in Black with Daniel Radcliffe recently. And I think yeah, they were they involved did, in making. They Go did on. do the Woman in Black in 2012. They did the Lodge in 2019. They did the Woman in Black Angel of Death in 2014. Which is a sequel. Yeah. I've seen it. No, I, I actually liked Woman in Black and, you know, sure. the original uh, with um, Harry Potter. I did yeah. not <laughs> uh, get through the sequel. I couldn't get through it. It's trash. It's trash. Dude, we have nine Based plus messages. Should we listen to a couple? Uh, let's go through this. Let's pause at Hammer Horror. Absolutely. Do you want to be in charge of the ditties or should I hit them? Uh, I'll do it for now, and then we'll see. Maybe you'll take over. How about that? All right, let's do one right now. <laughs> okay, garage that. Good evening, Cliff and Keith. Uh, both sexy voices. Um, I'm ready to tune in <laughs> to um, sequel a show. Um, I am somebody who equally hates and loves at the same time uh, sequels. It's a love-hate relationship, so I am so ready for this topic. <laughs> Bring it on. End of story is oh, right with us. He's right in our wheelhouse, Keith. He is all the way from Ireland. Thank you, end of story. Yeah, but I'm also saying in how he simultaneously hates and loves sequels, because I feel the exact same way. Uh, yeah, moi aussi. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I've got a definite love-hate relationship with sequels. Well, we're going to get into some of those ones. Prop, I can't trust wait. me. This is going to all be right. Great. Let's hear another one. Okay, just to start off the topic, I, I, you, I've got, you may, you guys may not have mentioned this yet, but uh, one of the first things that comes to my mind growing up was, um, I saw Terminator Two as a teenager <sighs> before I saw Terminator One, and Terminator mm. Two blew my fucking mind. Terminator <laughs> One, yeah. when I saw a couple of years later, I was like, meh. 
But um, <laughs> if we, if you get, if you guys, you don't have to do it now. But if you guys get into this topic later, um, I'd love to chat about the Terminator series, please. please. Oh, absolutely. We uh, we did speak about Terminators last week, didn't we? We went into Terminator yep. Two, saying that that was probably the best sequel, one of the best sequels ever made, ever. Ever. Perfect sequel. Perfect movie. Yeah, it's a tech noir, you know, horror movie, I would say, the first one. Mm-hmm. I would say it is, for sure. I mean, you know, and you look at Michael Bean and, and, and everybody in it, and you're just... Uh, I can understand how if you watch it out of sequence, which, again, it just goes to show you how fucking good Terminator 2 is. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. it can be a standalone and not even absorbed, you know, you know, you don't have to absorb the first to understand and absorb the second to its full girth, let's say. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of explanation at the beginning, you know, with the voiceover with Sarah Connor, because there was like a little mm. bit of a gap, wasn't there, between yes. um, the original. So I think that they were just trying to fill it in for people that wouldn't necessarily go back. Because remember, in those days, they might not have had the opportunity to go back and watch the first one because it might not have been read- readily available. Do you know what I mean? So I do. Not and it goes back on. No, not everyone did have a VHS. You're right. And it also <laughs> goes back on, on what we were saying, Keith, which is that, you know, when and it is rare, the artists, the auteurs and the actors all decide to do the sequel. Like in Terminator 2 with James Cameron, you get something really special. Absolutely. Because everyone comes back. They've obviously read the script. They're like, yes, this is good. This is good. And uh, and the script's coming this time from Cameron, right? (laughs) All roads lead to James Cameron. Exactly. (laughs) And he wrote Aliens. So they know that he could write a good follow-up to like a movie. So they know that he's got sequel expertise already. Yeah. And it also goes to show you that when you're dealing with the creator, you know, with the auteur, they understand the lore. They understand the world, the universe, all the character arcs and their motivations and why. And they also understand the little eggs or Easter eggs they dropped in the first one. Otherwise, you know, you're just dealing with someone who's like, oh, I have a great idea. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it kind of is a bad thing. Yeah. But I will also (laughs) just add here, guys, to play devil's advocate, that he Mm -hmm. also said that he thought that Dark Fate was a really good entry to the uh, the Terminator franchise. James so Cameron said that? Yes, he was, a, he was involved as a producer, I think. So, um, yeah, he was praising the movie before it came out, and then it came out, and then I just thought to myself, shouldn't have done that, James. Concentrate <laughs> yeah. on Avatar 10 or whatever you're on at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that I can't wait that. to see. All right, let's do another one. Oh my goodness, Final Destination. I don't know if you've spoken about it already, but Final Destination, yes, they were amazing. Can't even think of a bad one, you know. Like, I will never forget the windscreen smashing with the uh, lot with the wood. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the lift. I'll never forget the kitchen. I'll never forget any of those moments. There were so many moments. That might have been all from one film. I'm not sure if I've actually seen them all. But Final Destination is a great trilogy. In fact, I think there's four of them or five of them even. I can't remember how many there are. Absolutely. Okay, you want to start on that, Keith? Go ahead. Um, well, I've, I'm going to park Final Destination because I think we're going through the years. So I'm going to put Final okay, Destination great. in uh, with our upcoming um, horror sequels. But at the moment, we're still in the Hammer World. We're still so in the Hammer World. Okay, so let's keep... Yes. That's Keith, Excellent. you read my mind. 
Oh, well, so hi, Keith. Hi, Cliff. Uh, oh, Kitten, love this. Sequel Mania. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's lots of good ones. Gremlins. Gremlins. Ooh. What about Gremlins? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't be mad at Gremlins. No, but by the way, was it was it Zemeckis and Spielberg on, on Gremlins too? Well, Gremlins, yes, but they it was a massive, like, tongue-in-cheek, finger-pointing uh, piss-take of sequels and the media, wasn't it? I mean, it was not like a Gremlins sequel. It was almost like, we've got free reign to do what we want now, and we're just going to absolutely rip a new butthole to, t- to TV and movie stations. I, I think uh, the new a new batch is gr- a great film, but it's not. I mean, it goes completely in a different direction to the original. Yeah, it goes completely still a good in a film. different direction. Yeah, still a good film. Yeah, um, but it was Joe uh, Dante, I think, who directed it. The That's sequel. the one, and and I can link this to what we're talking about because Christopher Lee was in a new batch. Look at you. All right, so let's go now. All let's right. continue. We'll do a few more after. We, you, that was a nice link. Please continue, sir. Thank you very much. So, yeah, yeah, obviously, like I was saying, Hammer Horror films were like the James Bond films of horror. They were releasing like two or three a year. Um, Really sort of not low budget, but they just reused a lot of sets and just reused pretty much everything. So the budget was really low. I think also Mm -hmm. um, Hammer inspired things like uh, Dark Shadows you know, and um, franchises like that, or, or I mean, it's a soap opera, but they went to make a film later. So I think that um, the legacy that Hammer has, I think a lot of people watch those films and they don't see them as sequels. Do you mean they see them as individual works from Hammer? Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoy the Hammer movies. I really, really do. I can put anyone on. The plots are all the same. There's the same actors, hmm. the same sets. <laughs> so you could watch any of them and you wouldn't even know, you know, that you were watching a different film. It's just one long continuation. So, yeah, I've got a soft spot for Hammer Horror. Yeah, listen, and, and Harry didn't just do horror. I mean, just for the record, they did a secret agent thing. They've done a lot of different stuff. And, you know, then you get like a lady in the fog or you get a spaceways, you know, they've been, it's pretty crazy. It's almost like uh, the English version of uh, what's the Johnny Depp, Ed Wood. Ed Wood. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, All right, let's go. What do you got next? Absolutely. So um, I'm uh, bonjour, Monsieur Cliff. We're going abroad. Oh, good. I like going abroad. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. I got my passport. <laughs> I got Excellent. it. We're going to Italy. Oh, I love it. Do you like Italy? I do. Oh, good. Because that's I'm a fan. We're there. Excellent. I'll get you some spaghetti on the way. So, <laughs> um, we're going to be talking very, very briefly about um, my favourite uh, European horror sequel, and it's it's made by Mario Brava and Dario Argento, and it's called Demons Two. And Dario Argento, who, again, you know, he is a, you know, he's kind of a classic mind, right? I mean, this guy's been doing it for he how looks- long? How long has I he mean, been doing it for? He, like 40 um, years? I mean, Demons, sorry, Demons was 84, 83? What was it? Yeah, Demons, yeah, Demons 2 was 86, and I think Demons 1 was like 84. But um, obviously, Dario Argento made it big with his masterpiece, Suspiria, 
uh, back in the seventies. I mean, it was an amazing, right. like he's an amazing horror film. Uh, you got Tenevi, you've got uh, oh, I can never pronounce it. Phenomenina, Phenomenina with a uh, <laughs> Jennifer Connelly. That's why I'm calling it from now on. But um, Phenomenina. I've met him oh, you because have? you know when I was telling you about Fright Fest in London, yes. he comes every year because he writes a new book every year. I don't know what it's about. I've ne- I've, I've got them, but I've never read them because I just haven't had the time. But um, he writes a new book every year and he does comes to Fright Fest and does signings. He's lovely. He just sits there like your favourite granddad who, you know, probably he probably eats people. But um, <laughs> he's great. He's, he's a nice guy. But I want to talk about demons too because everybody yeah, talks about um, a new nightmare. You know, New Nightmare was one of those really like meta films where you had mm-hmm. the cast um, of Nightmare on Elm Street playing themselves, and that Freddie was a demon, and he was using like the the Friday the Thirteenth films to like feed himself. But then, when the film stopped, the demon sort of became real, and blah 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 blah. Uh, we'll get to that. But uh, right. Demons Two is such an interesting because it's set in a tower block. And people get possessed by the demons by watching Demons 1 on the television. Right. It's very meta. I mean, but, you know, there's a lot of people who will, you know, and think very strongly that this is a cop out. It's lazy. It is a carbon copy, so to speak, of Demons 1. Yeah. Oh, but it's so good. Oh, it's so good. I've got a bit of a hard on for high rise set dramas anyway i love anything set in a high rise um, oh you like that movie that came out on netflix where they're all eating each other high rise is that no that's high not what rise? it was called was it oh no was it called the, Plat- no the one on the net- platform yeah the yeah, platform that was that was scary but you know Absolutely. what are they but you know what they gave us in demons too you know what he's smart at you know uh he's smart at a lot of things but uh, what was the uh you know the 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 kids in the car, they were all like stoned or whatever. Like I felt like they were, yeah. you know, some of the best part of Demons One, and then like he just puts them right in Demons Two, and it's like a let's go from there. Exactly, it's complete Euro trash. Yes, that's what, that's what it's Euro trash, but it's really good Euro trash. It's like uh, a guilty pleasure. I love Demons Two. I've got the Steelbook edition from Arrow Video. If anyone's listening and they haven't seen it. Watch Demons 1 and 2 um, back to back with a few drinks. It will be the best night you've ever had. It is but again, so you know, you, but sorry, if you look at um, uh, Demons 2, though, it's not, you know, it's directed by Lamberto Bava. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Mario Bravo. Just an yeah. interesting note. Yeah. But uh, Dario Argento was heavily involved because he was like, like executive producer on it. So it's from, it's like Dario Argento presents, you know, it's like, Guillermo del Toro presents like certain films, doesn't he? He doesn't necessarily direct them, but he's it's from his like um, he helps to make the films and he gives suggestions. So I think that that's I mean, Asia Argento is in uh, Demons 2. She plays the little girl, um, uh, Dario Argento's daughter. Who she whose name cup. must not be spoken. Wait, I'm sorry. What? What? Is Isn't it said in the prophecy? Oh, I don't know. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because it feels like with her dad was always at um, her dad was always is always at Fright Fest, and she's always at Cannes. Yeah, she lives there. She has a tent. <laughs> she lives there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But I mean, what I think that uh, Bava did that's so important in Demons Two, which is why it works for me, 
is because he paid complete homage to the first, setting it in the Metropole or whatever it's called, which means like death to all or something, I think, as I've read somewhere uh, in that theater. Yeah. And watching yeah. the film is what makes it so um, pure to me. I agree. I agree. It's the perfect sequel to me because it's 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 acknowledging the original, building upon it and adding a lot more sort of action and the scary moments. I mean, the demons with their little light up eyes are terrifying. I had nightmares about them. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I think it improves. I think it improves on the um, on the previous on the first one. I really honestly do. I think Demons 2 is a masterpiece. And like I said, have a few Jack Daniels, watch them back to back. It's the one of the best film experiences you'll have. It's so much fun. Yeah, well, it's so, a, yes, very much in the um, same way Evil Dead 2 is a remake of Evil Dead, but it's not. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. You've hit the nail on the head there. And again, Actually, we do a, so go ahead, fun. go ahead. I was gonna say oh, so Evil Dead 2. Yeah, we talked, we talk, sorry to interrupt. We talked about this last time, our last talk. Evil Dead 2 is one of those so much fun, you know, but in, in essence, a remake. As opposed to a Absolutely. sequel, even though it's in titled essence, as a, a sequel. Yeah, I mean, I still really don't understand Evil Dead's timeline, but I think I, it's actually more fun that I don't understand it. <laughs> okay, look, you want to play a couple <laughs> more messages and push forward? We do, because the next one's going to make us feel a bit sick all round. So then we'll do a couple of messages? What do we want to push forward? What do we want to do? Absolutely. Right, a couple uh, more messages. Here it goes. I'm Are you guys willing to venture <laughs> a little bit outside of horror? Just... Just a just a uh, just a question, <laughs> just an open question. If that's cool. <laughs> well, well, we do try to stay I on point. Say, end the story. Go ahead, Keith. I would say stay on point because we've got a lot to get through. So I think for today. But don't worry, yes. we'll be back. Yes, I, we will. We're working it out no. to to come back and do another <laughs> talk. So uh, no, we are hundred uh, percent. So so we will. And and don't hate us. End the story. We'll we'll you know. We have to stay on point. Okay. Yes. But we love you. I'm a very Tales from the hood. One and uh, two. Yeah. Whack as hell. <laughs> whack as hell. Whack as hell. I, I don't think I've seen them, but I, I thought, I, for some reason, as soon as he said that, I thought of Leprechaun. <laughs> but that's so Jennifer sure Aniston. A leprechaun movie in the hood. I know Jennifer Aniston's <laughs> in one of those. Yeah, Leprechaun in the Hood. I think that's one of them. <laughs> oh my God, that's the most racist thing there, ever. Worry. Oh God. I want to sleep tonight. We're not going there. <laughs> I do too. I really do too. All right, let's do another one. Keith, Keith, Keith. What's going on, my friend? What's going hey, on, Cliff? Richie. How are you doing? Sequel Richie. mania. Right. What yeah. sequel <laughs> is the best and what is the worst? That's what we're going to try to decipher. Here is yep. the horror sequels. We're going to try and work out which is the best and which is the worst, definitely. Uh, one more All one right. and then we'll crack on. You got it. I think the best sequel for me, possibly for a horror flick, maybe would have been um, the second um, Paranormal Activity. Oh. For me, that was oh, great. Okay. The worst the has second. always been the Evil Dead. They just went from bad to worse, <laughs> didn't they? The first one was great, oh. and after that, it was like, oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, I do. Um, actually, saying that, Exorcist 2 was quite scary. I did like Exorcist 2 <laughs> as well. 
Poltergeist 2. No, oh, no, I'm reverting it all back. Sorry, look, my brain's going. <laughs> Best sequel ever, Poltergeist 2. The old Poltergeist as well. Steven Spielberg's ones. Yep, definitely. Best sequel ever, Poltergeist. Right, listen, he went listen, right I'm calling in. An ambulance. I'm calling an ambulance. Make sure you put the door on that latch. <laughs> I mean, he 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 went. Sorry, he went right in on Evil Dead, though, huh? <laughs> Rishi, you don't like that. I know, I like Rishi. Evil Dead. Even though we had yeah, Sam Raimi Rishi... on both. Exactly, but then we're talking about Rishi here, who was the one that got me to watch Howard the Duck again. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's his fault. He's my movie abuser. Right. Okay. Okay. So, um. Rishi actually mentioned the next film that I'd like to go to. And we're going to go back. Are you ready for this? Awesome. I'm sorry. I'm ready. We've got, we've got to leave Italy. We've got to go home. They need us. Okay? Let's do it. So we're going back to the States. We're going to 1977. And we are going to talk about The Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Okay, let's, let's, let's talk about it. What, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, I have mine, you believe so, me. You sound so excited. You sound like you're really pumped for this one. Um, well, Billy Blatty wrote I mean, a great book. He wrote it was a great movie with Will Freakin in the first one, and then John Borman, who was an amazing director in and of itself. I mean, the, have you ever seen The General, by the way, with that John Borman made? Uh, I don't think I've seen The General, but I. Brendan Gleeson is the star. I've obviously seen Deliverance. I've seen Excalibur. Love Excalibur. That was one of my love Excalibur, movies. Lady of the Lake, everything. Yeah, so good. That's such a good film. And <sighs> um, yeah, and of course, Deliverance is just like a masterpiece in itself. But yes, Exorcist too. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's get into it. What what uh, you know? Listen, I have my thoughts, which are this, and and I want to hear all. Of, you know what? Actually, let me hear yours, Keith, and then I'm going to tell you mine. Well, I'll be honest with you. When I first saw Exorcist two, I thought that what had happened was is that it filmed loads of stuff, but they'd put it together in the wrong order. And they'd, they'd hmm. completely and utterly like jumbled up the plot. But it, there, there is a film in there that is cohesive, you know, if they'd sort of go back and recut it. And then I watched it again a few years ago, and I was just like, right. So they obviously want to tie in a lot of mythology to this, but they always want, also want to tie in something to do with like mental health as well. Okay, it's too much, and it strays so far from the original, and it goes the whole stuff with James L. Jones in Africa, the locusts. You've got um, Max. Oh, oh, God. Side my, my brain. Max, Max one side. Yeah, side of, like just wandering around, like look, like looking around, going, oh, I wonder what you know. It's just awful and then they bring back paul linda blair who was obviously thinking right i'm going to come back and do this sequel i'm going to get some really i'm going to get some meaty stuff in this i'm not going to be just tied to a bed i'm just not going to be like smacking <laughs> doctors around the face i'm going to get some meat well the meat turned to be turned out to be rancid really rancid <laughs> it was so bad well, so I, I okay. So, so and fun fact: we had an uncredited uh, uh, part from Dana Plato of Different Strokes fame is in that movie. Oh, okay. All okay. right, and here I go with, and I don't want to. You know, I listen. I am going to agree with you and disagree <laughs> with our listener, which is that I always go back to the exact same concept that we started with, which is or philosophy, which is that. The director and the writer were not involved. Billy Blatty, Billy Friedkin, not involved. 
not that good. And you know what I did like? I liked the idea that they were investigating the death of the priest who jumps out the window at the end of Exorcist 1, spoiler alert. And yeah. they, yeah. I, I, but I thought that was a good idea. And then where I thought it completely faltered and fell apart is that the, uh, the, the, the Vatican doesn't want to, doesn't want Satan to be real. Well, I, you know, that breaks everything in two. If there's no way the Vatican wouldn't want Satan to be real because then their whole thing is out the window. What, they don't have a bad guy. Christianity exactly. doesn't work without a bad guy. Yeah, exactly. And it's the it's the one and only film that I've seen Richard Burton in where he looks like he's just saying words. Yeah, you know what they he did? They I told Jason this. They tie a uh, big check to the end of the boom mic and he just follows it around <laughs> the whole movie. He doesn't know what the hell is going on in this film. You could tell. He's just was like, he sir at that time? Was he a sir? I'm, uh, I don't know if he was actually, but I remember him like climbing up a, a like a cliff face in the film, and uh, you could tell that it was in Studio B, and this you know this cliff face was only about three meters long. You could just tell it was so bad, so bad. I, I really, I honestly do not know. And we have a, a movie critic here in the UK. I don't know if you've heard of him, Mark Kermode. He's probably our most famous movie critic. And his favourite film is The Exorcist. And um, I go to the British Film Institute quite a lot to watch um, his live show, uh, Mark Kermode in 3D. And he regularly, like, just out of nowhere, starts to berate Exorcist 2, The Heretic. It's almost like um, The Exorcist 2 (laughs) with his ex-wife. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good line and you know it's it's public that you know billy blatty uh, not billy billy's uh uh his son uh that sir uh that william blatty and uh william freakin you know publicly distanced themselves they wanted nothing to do with doing a sequel yes of course i can see why mm. and john borman they who's probably, a brit they probably you know, read the script <laughs> They're like, no, we're not doing this, man. And they got a playwright. The guy who wrote it was a playwright. And he went metaphysical. Listen, you know, metaphysical is interesting, but it's it's not what to do here. And by the way, I could have been fine without an Exorcist 2 sequel. I felt like that was a standalone movie. But again, we go back to show business, not show art. Exactly. And I honestly do think that the writer of The Exorcist 2 had never seen the first one. I'm convinced. I'm convinced he hadn't seen it. Because there was absolutely nothing in that sequel. Even the the end sequences in the house, you know, and with Sharon coming back. I mean, Sharon's completely oh, different. Yeah. I know. It's just the same actress. The words coming out of her mouth would uh, relate to that character, you know, in no way whatsoever. It's very disappointing. But, and there's a huge but here. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. my huge but, Cliff. Don't be rude. Um <laughs> The Exorcist 3, I think, is really good. I think it's a genius film, actually. Really? You know what? I'm going to have to watch it because I never even got that far, I'm going to have to admit. Because after Exorcist 2, I was just like, you know what, man? This is not for me because I felt like it ended on the first one and I'm not into it. But what did you like about it? So The Exorcist 3, written, um, adapted from uh, William Blatty's book, Legion. So it's from the original writer. And mm. then uh, 
Willie, uh, William Bratty decided to direct it, which he's actually a oh. really good director. Um, it's got George C. Scott playing uh, Kinderman, who was the policeman from the first film. Do you remember, like, the Kinderman, you know, like, the guy yes. who befriended, yeah? And it's got um, the priest as well, who was um, who was still alive at the end, you know, like, the priest that were, that gave the last rites. Uh, oh, yes, 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 yes. But the story, exactly what you're the story talking about. is... Yeah, the story is that the, there's killings happening in um, in Georgetown, and they have all of the all of the like the traits of a killer called the Gemini killer who's been dead for 20 years. But there are things on the body that only the police knew about, you know, like like the way that right. they were murdered. Only the police knew about them. And then um, I'm just going to give a little spoiler away because it's not a massive spoiler, actually. But um, when Kinderman um, goes to investigate these murders and stuff, he's he's drawn to a psychiatric hospital he goes into the psychiatric hospital and finds in one of the cells Damien Carris, played by Jason Miller. Jason Miller. Okay. Got yeah. you. Uh, who was the original uh, Father Carris from the original Exorcist. And something's going on there. I'm not going to tell you what, but I tell you what, okay. it's got some of the scariest imagery in any film I've ever seen. There's a scene that is a one, um, a one cut scene that goes on for about three minutes. It's a long shot of a corridor and a nurse nurse's station in the psychiatric hospital. And you're transfixed on this scene of the nurse just going around her business. And then something happens. It is not only the scariest moment, I think, in any film, but it is the best jump scare in any film I've ever seen. Listen, I, I mean, here's the thing also, from according to the little I do know about it, I think, and you can correct me uh, if I'm wrong on this, Keith, that um, William Friedkin was supposed to direct it and and dropped out or left or, or something. And that's why uh, Mr. Blatty stepped in. Uh, that yeah. being said, at least you have one of the people who was involved. And again, you're not going, it seems to me with what you're saying, it's not as esoteric as they try to make Exorcist 2. Exorcist 2 no. is like technology and consciousness and, you know, uh, mental health, like you said, whereas Exorcist 3 got much, you know, back to basics kind of thing. Brad Dourif and, it, it, you know, you get some, and George C. Scott. It absolutely did. And it's got nothing to do with, um, I mean, there's a little mention of uh, Bazuzu, the demon. Um, Reagan McNeil isn't even, like, acknowledged in it. Like, there's no mention of her. It's a different story involving the characters, but um, with the same sort of idea behind the exorcist, you know what I mean? Of possession, of faith and of goodness. And I love that about the film. I, 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 I would put the exorcist three in my top five best horror movie sequels of all time. Exorcist three. Well, now I'm definitely, definitely going to watch it for I sure. Now we'll, I we'll talk wait. about it when I do. All right, should we do a couple more yes. uh, messages and then uh, back to it? Absolutely. Okay, so uh, um, you guys are probably way behind on the comments uh, hitting, <laughs> but uh, I fucking love Christopher Lee. And Keith, you talked about yeah. Christopher Lee uh, as, as playing Dracula. Like, I was, ra oh, we were raised on Christopher Lee as the man with the golden gun. Yes. I'll just leave that oh. with you guys. The man with the golden gun. The best. Yeah, absolutely. He played he played Salamander, the man with three nipples. 
in the man and James Bond, the man with the golden gun. Always the freakiest yeah. villains. Always Christopher Lee. I mean, he's he's the father of Chandler Bing. <laughs> <laughs> That's who played him, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, three nipples. Yeah, yeah. No, I know him. Chandler Bing had three nipples. I get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they had to be genetic. I mean, exactly. I mean, three though apparently, though, according to. According to friends, though Chandler uh, Chandler Bing's father was uh, Kathleen Turner. Yes, remember that? I love that. Yeah, I did absolutely. too. I didn't it mind like, it. Way, like, before it cool race, Way before it was cool to do. Twenty years before, right? Way before it was cool. You know what I mean? Like, or or you know, like, we'll talk about diversification. Right? You're just saying it was like Friends was still on it. You got to give Friends a lot of credit. No, no, but I know we're not talking about Friends, but Friends is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Let's do one How more and then we'll this? do some. We're friends. There you go. There you go. That's <laughs> you linked it. Fine. You I know we it. can bring it back. <laughs> we can bring it. I'll tell you how to link it. Jennifer Aniston was in Leprechaun. There we go. Before she was Rachel. Yeah. Before she Something was we're not going to touch upon other than Jennifer Aniston. Actually, we she can was... because what? Courtney Cox was also in a film that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Oh, I know the one. Okay, so let's do one more, and yeah. then we'll get back to uh, the list. All right. Yep, Christopher Lee as Dracula in the <laughs> Hammer Horror movies. The Hammer Horror movies were, like, I mean, I think they were all made at Ealing Studios, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure 99.9% of them were at Ealing Studios. Yeah, you're right. Totally right. The sets were built at Ealing. Definitely. Now I'm thinking about the man with the golden gun and Britt Eklund. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, yeah. Yeah, end of story. <laughs> Britt Eklund. For a few minutes. He'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on. And moving on. All right, what do you got next, um, Keith Andrews? Okay, here we go then. I'm going to say one tagline, and you've got to try and guess what movie I'm talking about, okay? The tagline okay. is, The Buzz is Back. Oh my God! The swarm. The buzz is back. Yeah, and I said the swarm. It's quite a difficult it... one. It, okay. I'm obsessed with movie trailers, so I'm thinking that this might be quite niche. Buzz. Oh, no, oh. And it's not chainsaw. It is. Is it? A ch- it is. I know. Okay. So it took me two. <laughs> it is. Well done. Two points. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Massacre two. Um, link you, back to what Rishi was saying about Poltergeist because obviously uh, Tove Hooper directed Poltergeist, but he also directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I have to do Toby. it in the trailer voice. Right, um, and that's why it's good so, again, right? I mean, I love yeah. t- uh, 2. I don't know. What are your feelings on it? Okay, again, it's almost like what they did with The Exorcist. You know, it's a completely and utterly different style. It's a, it's more of a comedy. It's a gross out horror. Uh, more, I mean, I know the original was pretty gross, but I thought the the original was more psychological. I didn't find uh, the second one psychological. I just found it like complete and utter madness, which I really really like. There's some really strong sequences in there, and the setting of the radio station, and then like the old sort of underground, you know, cabins and stuff like that. Loved it. Obviously, you got Dennis Hopper. I mean, Dennis Hopper <laughs> is in it. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is in it. He is in the He's not, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's Dennis Hopper, and 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 by the way, also, you know, it was said from the beginning, it's a parody. 
Yes. You know, Toby made it as a parody, which automatically gives you a release from having to be this or being that. It's just, it's a parody. I know what I did, and now I know what I'm going to make fun of. Exactly. Now, this is 1986. Okay, so um, right. horror sequels were, were, were more popular in the eight, oh, like mid-80s. You know, we had a lot of horror sequels with the... Uh, sort of Halloween series, Friday the 13th series, Nightmare on Elm Street was coming up at that point. Um, Do you remember how they advertised this movie? The poster? Um, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? Yes. Well, I know you said what they did after a decade of silence, right? Something like that? Yeah, after a decade of silence, the buzz is back. But to present it, (laughs) they took the famous movie poster of The Breakfast Club and po- posed all of the characters from Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the poses of the kids from The Breakfast Club and used that as the film poster. So right from the off, you know that this is a parody and a piss take. Oh, that's fantastic. You see, another yeah. reason I didn't remember that, and I'm telling you, that's why I like this sequel. You know, and it goes back to, again, Toby Hooper. The auteur is the one doing it. That's what I want to see. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that this is definitely in my list of top sequels because the first time I watched it, it I, I would say actually shocked me more than the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it was, you just didn't know where the story was going. It was utterly you know chaotic you've got dennis hopper just playing a character that is like set on one goal and one go go only he makes every single wrong choice and then you get to the sequence <laughs> where he finds his nephew still in the wheelchair yeah. <laughs> from the first film yeah that just, i mean it's he's like franklin Franklin, is that you, Franklin? <laughs> well, it's a skeleton in a, in a wheelchair. It could be anybody, buddy. But if you know the make of the wheelchair, it's probably him. Um, and it's crazy. And the whole finale. And you've got a female protagonist, which is brilliant. I mean, I'm, not, I'm, I mean, I'm saying that because you've got a very strong female, uh, sorry, male, you know, cast in that film of, of maniacs. But then you have a, a female who's sort of having to deal with you know, a room full of crazy men, which I think every, you know, female <laughs> was probably had to deal with at some point. But um, absolutely brilliantly done. And the final sequence um, of her character just swinging that uh, chainsaw around like um, like Leatherface at the end of the first film, I think it's just, it's just as iconic. Her character name You're is talking Trent, about Caroline Williams, right? Caroline Williams, yeah, stretch. Uh, like she, I just love that last sequence because it pans away and they're in some sort of. I can only describe it as like Castle Grayskull, <laughs> <laughs> and then they pan out and there's loads of like just like trucks, empty trucks and cars and you know like belongings of people all scattered everywhere and oh, it's just it's just a vision. That's what I really love about Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. It's it's. Like you said, a parody and a vision. 
Well, yeah, and and again, the the same auteurs is is doing it and validating it. On top of it, you know, and here's just to put things in perspective: this is '86, and uh, that movie grossed eight million domestically, and the budget was four and a half million. I mean, compare that to where we're at forty years later. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and that's a and hit. then they went on obviously. Yeah, but then they went on to make another one. Uh, which was trash, and then they went. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, like I think, Mike did Michael Bay's company go on to make a remake, which wasn't. Yeah, they did bad. one. It was pretty good. You know what I liked? Eric Balfour is a fantastic actor, is in it. And also, what you have is there's that. I don't know if you recall it in that reboot. There was the one shot that went from the bullet hole in the van, like through the hole. Do you remember that? That was like the first yes. time I saw that. And then the through the girl's head, wasn't it? Yes, exactly. Like was, and that was the first yes. time we'd seen that effect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I really liked it. But then they obviously went on and made more and more and more. And I think there's a new one coming out this year or next year. I think they've announced. They've released the poster already. How um, about this? I'm going to bring it back to what I brought up earlier, Keith Andrews. Isn't Stephen Dorff in a leather face? Yes. Um, Boom. He's in the third Boom. one. Is he in the third yes, one? Sir. That's a really good link. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the third one. Let's let's. What is it? The third? No, yeah. come on. We're looking it up, aren't we? <laughs> Wait, I, I, we're talking and looking it up at the same time. Let's have a look. Let's no, a 2017, look. Um, dude. Leatherface. Oh, okay. uh, Viggo Mor- uh, Mortensen is in the third one. Just saying. Just saying. He went on to save right. Middle Earth. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it just shows you that, you know, you can't blame the actors because Vigo's one of the best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it looks like it's going to come out. Uh, it's in post-production now, so it's going to be released this year. And it's got uh, the cast look interesting. Um, but like I said, I'm not holding my breath because I've been let down before. But um, and now obviously Toby Hooper is no longer with us. So uh, that's a shame. Uh, yeah, anyway, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, and just another thing to show, and this is consistency, folks. If you look at Leatherface, well, again, Steven is excellent in it, but the movie is a travesty, and it's the exact same producers who produced the Hellboy reboot. Yeah. Yeah, so you're seeing that (laughs) people who suck just suck. Yeah. They're not going to make something all of a sudden good. It's like you're going to get what you get going into it, which is why it's so important to have the original artists involved. And if they're not, I can almost say as a rule of thumb, you can avoid it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I still don't understand why these people are still getting work. But yeah, obviously, I, I agree. I agree. Well, there's something to be said. You know, I, this is a part of the Millennium Films and the Avi Lerner team of people who don't care about content. They care about money and foreign sales. And if it fits into the formula for foreign sales and, uh, you know, they can put X amount of dollars in their pocket, then they're gonna, the movie's made. They don't care. I mean, it's why Ryan Reynolds does The Bodyguard and The Bodyguard 2. They're doing a 2. Same company. Oh, shut the front door. Are I'm not going to. No, I'm not. Ugh. I wish I was. Well, and why does Ryan Reynolds need to do door. that? Does he not have enough money? I mean, he's already got Blake Lively. He's got all the stuff. What does he need to do another crappy film for? He's so good. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's now. There's no answer. Keep the money to pay the pool cleaner. I'm not entirely sure. 
Maybe he's got his face full cleaner. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I can't figure it out, Keith ball. Andrews. I really can't. All right, what do you got next? What do you got next? Okay. Okay, here we go. I'm about to pull the rug from underneath you. Uh-oh. Mr. Dorfman, are you ready for this? I'm ready. So next is Halloween. But <laughs> we're not going to talk about Michael Myers. Hell no. We're going to talk about the Halloween 3 season of The Witch. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we can not. Don't get also... too excited. Remember your blood pressure. Okay. 1982. Yeah. Okay. Right. So what happened was uh, John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, they decided that they were going to get rid of the story from um, of Michael Myers because they concluded it in Halloween 2. Also, we thought. And they well, they both, but, but make... let me just clarify, Keith, to cut you in his rough for a second. Again, no, no, sure. Halloween one. What were you going to say, buddy? No, no, go on. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry. Halloween one written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, directed by John Carpenter. Halloween two. So you still had written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. So you had the two auteurs still involved you know, approving the material, which again, and Rick Rosenthal directed too. So, okay, but John approved that with Deborah, right? And it was still damn good. I liked Halloween too. And then came Tommy Lee Wallace writing and directing Halloween 3 and taking a big duty all over us. Oh, you see, I've got a feeling that me and you might might have a falling out over this one. Uh Uh-oh. I think I might need to contact a lawyer. Oh, <laughs> what? what t- tell me why, please. Tell me why. Don't worry, lis- listeners. If you're worried, don't be worried. We have a prenup. But um, <laughs> yeah, because we're smart. So John John Carpenter did have an uncredited writing um, credit on this film, but also Nigel Neal. Now, no, Nigel Neal um, is a British writer. He wrote uh, a series called Quatermass. Uh, which is very mm-hmm. popular here, and he was and he was very well known for writing sort of occult uh, thrillers and you know things like that. And then he was brought on board to write Halloween Three because what they wanted to do was they wanted to go into more of an anthology um, series rather than continue with the Michael Myers storyline. Um, so they come together and they write uh, Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Now I have watched this. I watched this at Halloween, and I have to say. As a standalone film, take away Halloween 3 and just have it as Season of the Witch and don't connect it to the rest of the series. It's a good film. I enjoy it. It's it's fun. It's violent. It's uh, supernatural. It's got some great effects when the uh, when the masks like turn the kids heads into maggots. I love that effect. It's it's uh, it's a it's a good story. I think it's it's not too shabby. But I think the biggest problem it has is its title, Halloween 3. I think if they got rid of that, I think it would have a chance of becoming a cult classic. Okay. I'm going to say a couple of things about it. First thing I'm going to say is that Tommy, was it Tommy Lee Wallace, I think? I believe I am correct in saying that he was a like a prop master or an art designer on one and two. The guy had never written and directed anything. And then he decides to take arguably one of the best horror films and uh, burgeoning franchises and do practical jokes as the effects, you know, and he moved away from the gore and right there, 
right there, it wasn't as smart as he thought it was, even though I think the New York Times really enjoyed that aspect, like the kind of, uh, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of idea. Uh, that being said, you know, when I say that people who do stuff the way they do it usually consistently continue to do it, you know, he went on to direct Fright Night. I'm, I'm reading this, but Fright Night Part Two, uh, Vampires, Los Muertes, yeah. uh, nothing good. You know, so so you have to look at that. And I'm not arguing with you that you liked it because you did and you're not alone. So did The New York Times. Uh, that being said, <laughs> I no, really, it's it's very true. I, I think I it like really the New put, York Times. Yeah. <laughs> now, listen, The New York Times and you, you have a good uh, you have a good commonality that, you know, I just really, really felt that it was just it fell short to me. It really did. And I wanted the gore. And especially then I wanted the gore. Now I might be more interested. And let me tell you, in the same regards, I might be more interested now in the take on Exorcist 2 being about consciousness and technology. You know, that's more interesting today. I think it was ahead of its time. And I'll go as far as to say Exorcist, uh, I'm sorry, Halloween 3 was maybe ahead of its time too. Cliff, please do not go and watch Exorcist 2. I'm worried about you. Please do not. <laughs> Please. No, I won't. I promise. <laughs> Can we do a couple more messages and then get back to the list? I was, I was going to sing, sing you a song very quickly. Do you mind? Please do. No, love it. Happy, Bring it. happy Halloween. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Silver Shamrock. My That's dog liked that too. <laughs> exactly. That is a real so song? Me, the me. The New York Times, mm-hmm. my Uncle Dave, and your dog love that film. So I think, who's, who's wrong here? Who's wrong? Yeah, uh, apparently who's there's wrong? no wrongs. But if there was one, it would be all of you. Let's see what we got. End of story. <laughs> Sacrilege. Sacrilege. How can you watch Terminator 2 before Terminator 1? Never do yes. that. Oh, my God. Um, but it's a time thing. I mean, t- Terminator 1 was groundbreaking for its time as well, you know? And number two just blew it out of the park. That's what it was. So it, it just goes, they, they go hand in hand, I think, for me. Just just on different time schedules. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, yeah, definitely. It's like Alien and Aliens. You know, like it's a step up. A major step Amen. up. Uh, agreed. But, you know, watching them in succession is always the uh, desired route. Though I will go back again and say once more that it does say a tremendous amount for Terminator 2 that it can be watched as a standalone, which you can't say that about many sequels. No, I agree. And if you, and anyone out there, if, if you can tell me a sequel that also stands alone in the way Terminator 2, uh, Terminator 2 does, please leave us a message. All right, we'll do one more and uh, we'll get back. And I'm sitting here disagreeing, but now that I think about it, yeah, Terminator is a horror movie because we were scared Ooh. of the Terminator and then we were afraid yes. of the liquid guy running but i yeah, honestly yeah. i think that my my opinion of worst uh horror movie will be jason versus freddy <gasps> oh wow how did he know <laughs> that that was our next thing did he not know that you know him don't I you? i mean i don't <laughs> although i think he's like i think he tele telepathically texts me i think that's what's <laughs> happened um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, should we hit one more message to okay. bring it down to six? Because um, I like it on an even number. Let's, oh, I'm an even number guy, too. All right, let's do it. When Red, <laughs> the imposter, is sus. Whoa. What was that? What was that? 
I have, I have. I don't know what that no, meant. Let's do one more because now we're up at seven again. <laughs> Cliff, so I am so glad that you talked about the general, a black and white film oh, with Brendan Gleeson based the on the real depiction of the criminal, the general who stole a Caravaggio painting out of a museum and hid it in the Dublin mountains. And it is one of the most amazing movies ever. And I'm so glad that you fucking know that movie, Cliff. Holy shit, I'm so glad. Because Irish film like has some gems. Gems, and that's one of the that's royal great. crowns, in my opinion. Watch that one, Keith Andrews. Get back to me on it. Because it's one of my I've top ten lists in general. <laughs> He's written it down, folks. That means it's I official. have to watch it. It's official. it's official. It's written down in crayon. Okay, so um, <laughs> we're moving on to Friday go. the 13th. Wow, um, that was so weird that he nailed that. Opinion. All right, go. <laughs> unpopular opinion. I think Friday the 13th part two is actually better than part one. You do. Okay, now I saw them both in the theater, and I agree with you. Yeah, it's a I agree with it's, you. It's a taught movie. Um, obviously, we get our first. Uh, real uh, appearance from Jason. You know, Drew Barrymore's character in Scream, you know, she should have really have, you know, got the fact that Mrs. Voorhees was the killer. That that bit still annoys me. I'm like, Drew! Um, but part two, I think, is it's just really, really good. Um, obviously, the beginning when Jason turns up and kills Alice, I mean, how the hell did he get on the plane? I don't understand. I, I doubt that he has. <laughs> How did he get through security with a sack on his head? I mean, we are talking oh. about 81, so. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you could get through security dressed as the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man. but Yeah, um... you could have a gun. You could have a machine gun as the Stave <laughs> yeah. Puff Marshmallow Man and get through security back then. No problem. Yeah. But here's one of the ones, Keith Andrews, where it doesn't follow. And I would say this is the exception to my rule, which is when you don't have. And and here's why. The director of the first one was Sean Cunningham and the writer was Victor Miller. And the second one was Steve Miner. And the writers were like five writers or something, I think, or three or four, something like that. None of them the same. So I feel like there wasn't an auteur here building the backbone of this world. So that's why I believe Steve Miner could come in, who's a really good director, and and change the tone, change the frequency, and make it even more scary, which is what I thought he did. Oh, I I completely agree with you. I think the depiction of the killer, it, obviously Jason, uh, this is pre-hockey mask. So we have him wandering around, like I said, with the sack on his head. Uh, the killings are more gruesome. The characters are more believable. That's the thing about this film. You know, you've got Ginny uh, played by Amy Steele and she, um, you care about her. Do you know what I mean? From the, literally the first time you meet her, she's not your usual final girl. Do you know what I mean? She's a bit of yep. a country bumpkin. She's, you know, not all about the sex. She's more about the, um, you know, enjoying the company of her fellow uh, counsellors. And when she finds herself in these situations, I find her reactions and her reactions and her actions believable, which is why I think it's a good film, because um, you're following her story and she's making all the right decisions and choices. Whereas that's rare in a horror movie sequel, I think. 
you know, usually in a slasher film, you're going, why are you running upstairs? What are you doing? Uh, (laughs) Right, but she was more adventurous from the beginning. Yes, exactly. Yeah, She wasn't a victim who became a final girl. She almost starts out as a final girl. Yes, that's a really good way of putting it. No, I agree. She's like the uh, sort of detached from the from the others because she's more of a, like I said, more of an innocent, you know, more of that kind of girl. Um, but I just think the final sequence where she's mimicking um, Mrs. Voorhees to sort of control Jason and get him sort of a bit confused about, you know, whether he should kill her or not. I think it's such a great sequence. And you've got Mrs. Voorhees' head on the table with candles all around it. And I just think it's great. It's a great, great horror movie. Uh, but then like, like well, I said, yeah. it's a great, horror movie. it's a great standalone horror movie. It is. And and what I'll also say is, you know, even with Mrs. Voorhees, you, you have a, these undertones of, um, of let's say, uh, you know, an homage to psycho, you know, to the mom, to how the mom's controlling the killer. And I think, you know, there was a, there was a, there was a lot of, it's mental and, and it is uh, a little heady in its sense. I don't want to give it more credit than it deserves, but they thought about these things. And I think that's more than you can say for a lot of people who are going into do sequels as a whole. No, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. And I love the pun there, heady. <laughs> well done, <laughs> You like that? And I will say the last thing is that I think Steve Miner, what he did that is also interesting is that I think he felt that there was a need for an origin story, you know, and, and yeah. that there is, you know, that we needed to establish who these characters were. And I think that it was because he did Friday the 13th Part 2 that we can still be having Friday the 13th today. I really do. I agree. I completely agree. And obviously he went to like flip flop through different franchises. Like he directed uh, Halloween H2O um, and some other gems. So I do think that you're right. I think without his um, direction and the story of part two, I think that that franchise could have fallen on its face quite quickly. But I just, I just think part two is great. I really do. Yeah. And, and by the way, you know, he also did Soul Man with C. Thomas Howell, which is, you know, a funny movie. He couldn't make it today, but it is a funny movie. I mean, this guy has a wide range and he does spend his time in character land, which is why his movies work. Yeah. You're completely like Placid, right. all that's of them. That's the thing. All right. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's why it's rare. That's why it's a rarity, because the characters in that film, you really are behind them and you really want her to, you want Ginny's character to to succeed and to survive. And I think that that is massively important. Whereas in a lot of the later um, entries, you're just like, just fucking die, please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Keith and I, so so here's the bad news. The bad news is I only have about seven minutes left and I have to do another talk. Um, So Keith and I are going to do this yeah. Oh, you know, I do. We're going to do it with, with yeah. Mrs. Smitty. So we're going to do this. Uh, we'll finish up for about seven more minutes. And then uh, yeah. shall we do it next Saturday and continue it? Keith, I, I can do that if you're in. Absolutely. So let's pause because I'm, I'm really conscious that I want everyone who's messaging to hit, get their voice heard. So let's pause um, here Great. because I think that's all really good because there's literally one, two, three, four, five, six seven more franchises that I want to go through. And we've been through one, two, three, four, five, six. So I reckon that if we do it next week, we're going to have loads of time to be able to finish it. Excellent. Perfect time. So so we will do it same time next week. Um, Go ahead, Keith. Absolutely. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. And we'll blow uh, through these I'm messages good. now. Yay. Yay. All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll use my thumb, Keith. So, uh, Cliff <laughs> Dorfman, uh, you're really <laughs> annoying as an American human uh, who, just, who just owns everything. <laughs> you're, just, you're just like talking over everything. <laughs> I'm the best, and and, and 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 you just you don't allow for other. You have a lack of empathy, like listen to other people. You just you just talk over everything. Typical Americans. I think he's being ironic. I, I, I he's talking about. <laughs> I think I think there's a hint of irony. I don't know. Now I'm all hurt. Hey, I've mentioned this before, but I love. Halloween 3 season of the witch that has nothing Yay! to do with Michael Myers is the best out of all the <laughs> Halloweens. It has a really great like Twilight Zone Tales from the Crypt vibe. Um a bunch of like classics uh horror movie actors. Uh just a really really good movie. Definitely check it out. Cliff, Cliff. Yeah. Me, my uncle Dave, <laughs> your dog and Mixel Pixel. We love Halloween 3. <laughs> I'm gonna have to rewatch this, buddy. You are. I'm gonna have to. We'll talk about it next time. So I'm I gonna promise. say, uh, Cliff Dorfman, you're not an empathetic. You're a Still you're a self-centered. Theft. What? Wait, is he sure being serious? Happening. I'm not sure. I, wasn't this the same guy know. that complimented me on 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 the general? I don't know what's happening. I'm not entirely sure, but I, if there's a joke in there, um, you need to be more clear about the punchline, my friend. But I don't yeah, I'm not against. Moving on. <laughs> yes, though to I be clear, you. I'm not against. I love you too, Keith. And I'm not against what he's saying. <laughs> if I'm not being empathetic, please uh, show me the way. Maybe you guys can tell me, are there any Omen or Exorcist sequels worth watching? <laughs> no. <laughs> No. <laughs> no, I was gonna let you yes, say it. Exorcist three, Exorcist three, Exorcist three is amazing, <laughs> and the Omen films. Do you know what? I didn't mind the Omen part two, but the part three was terrible, and part four was like a TV movie. So, no way, hell no. Agreed. Um, but I watched them. Go ahead, Keith. No, no, sorry. Go on. I'm done. No, I was just going to say that, I, you know, when I first saw Damien and I saw it in the theater with Gregory Peck and watching that head, that first decapitation when the sheets of glass slide through the car. Was that was that what it was through the window? Uh, that's, the and, first, uh, that's the first one. Yeah. And, and, you know, the opening of the nanny hanging herself. And so so right when we got into Damien being in politics and et cetera, et cetera, I was in, though none of those movies affected me the way the original did. And when they rebooted them, it never had the same, uh, shall we say, je ne sais quoi. No. And I went on a date with an Australian uh, mm. last year and they were showing The Omen at the Prince Charles Cinema, which is like the cinema that show all films in 33mm. It's the only cinema oh. in London that does that. Uh, crackling and popping and everything. And he'd never seen a horror film before. And The Omen wow. and like came out so excited. Like he's saying, I'm going to watch every single horror movie that's ever existed because he loved <laughs> The Omen so much. So that film has a power. It really does. It's a really good, well-made film. And it's scary as hell. And that last scene of the little boy looking around and smiling is creepy. Creepy. And I will say, to me, anytime you're dealing, you know, I'll take psychological 
any time over creeping up behind me with a pair of symbols, so to speak. You know, <laughs> yeah, and cl- I agree. You know, because I'm always going to jump my- if you. Yeah, sure. Do you remember my review? You can say, "Remember my." Go nun. ahead. I'm listening. Do you remember my review of the nun last week? My, like, <laughs> not my, not the review, <laughs> but my um, interpretation. Quiet, quiet, quiet. None. Quiet, quiet, quiet. None. Yes. So I hate films like that. I hate films like that. <laughs> and the omen was just scary in itself. You know, the, the, the you well, know the sign of the beast. Exactly. Exactly. Right, and it's all set in these. the UK, which is even more scarier. It's so good. And Gregory Peck, I mean, yeah. come on. I know. All right. Well, gonna, we got a few more. Genius. Yo, another franchise, not a horror movie. Mm. But, uh, man, uh, uh, Ali- uh, Predators with Adrian Broding. Amazing, great action movie, bro. Not a ton of subtext, just, you know, drop them <laughs> and chop them kind of action. Loved it. Um, and yet, the last uh, the last Predator movie, The Predator, or Predator, whatever, I don't know what the fuck it was called with the giant Predator, was meh, okay. It was meh, okay, in that Iron Man 3 kind of meh, okay kind of way. <laughs> I don't think there's ever been a good Predator sequel. Ever. ever. I thought Predator was great. And then everything else went downhill. Um, I do like Adrian Brody, you know, and Walton Goggins was in that, which is one of those Mm -hmm. guys who you're like, oh, you're really getting to discover that guy for the first time. Talk about a journeyman. Lawrence Fishburne. I mean, the cast was unbelievable and it still was mediocre to me. To me. I'm just saying. Totally agree. I think I fell asleep. I mean. Just saying. That's not a, uh, that's not a uh, positive review. and I and you know saying. I don't usually do that. It takes a lot for me to fall asleep during a movie, and I don't think I made it through Predators. So yeah. there's my review. Z Z Z Z Z. That's my review. Yeah. <laughs> the nun is, uh, and the nun is what? Go ahead. What's your review on the nun? Quiet, quiet, quiet. None. Quiet, quiet, <laughs> quiet. None. That's my review of the nun. <laughs> I love it. All right, we got a few more. Is it bad if Jason versus Freddy is the only Jason or Freddy movie I've ever seen? I've never <laughs> yes. been attracted to those franchises. I'm more of a Hellraiser kind of guy myself. I mean, yes. Okay, Hellraiser is incredible. But you do incredible. need to go and watch Friday the 13th and Friday the 13th Part 2 um, and stop there. Agreed. The end. Watch those and get back to us and tell them if you hate them. Tell us if you hate them or like them. <laughs> They're fun. I want to know. They're fun. All right, we got a couple Cliff, left. never apologize for your American superiority over these <laughs> chimney sweeps. <laughs> oh, Keith, you're Little not a chimney pixel. sweep to me, but thank you. Kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Keith handles it well. Pixel, pixel, thank you. <laughs> He comes on my channel all the time and calls me sweet. But he's a little shit. You're I like him. Shit, but I love you. I like him. I love you. I like him. Yeah. By I the do, way, I, I like the guy like who it. called me a. I like the guy who basically, you know, called me a psychopath. I like him too. I watched Omen no, Part Two, and eighty percent of that movie is about high finance and pro- and mergers. <laughs> he's Ooh. a smart guy. What film was that? I missed it. Omen Part Two. Omen Part Two. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I do like the twist at the end. There's a little, I'm not going to give it away, but there's a twist at the end about someone who isn't who you thought they were. I like that. And then there's Damien at the end. Damien was the best. 
I mean, he really was the best. All right, we're going to do this last one, and then we will pick this up next week. We Keith will, because you've got enough shows. Absolutely. You're changing tact, aren't you? you you've got to How am I doing that? change gear for your next chat. So, absolutely. That's right, exactly. Exactly. So, last <laughs> one here, and then Keith Andrews, 2020s, and I will be back with our non-empathetic views on sequels next Saturday, <laughs> also at 2 o'clock Pacific time. My favorite movie is Child's Play, but the remake wasn't too good. They remakes ain't all of that. There's always the originals, classics. Yeah, I agree. Child's Play went down a weird like AI sort of storyline in the remake, which was very odd. But I could see what they were trying to do. They were making it trying to make Child's Play down with the kids again. Um <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Smart. By, by making Chucky a killer Furby, basically. Yeah. I... <laughs> yeah, I get it. Listen, they, David Kirshner and that team, when they did Child's Play, they tapped into something very uh, visceral and very oh. deep uh, with a doll. And uh, we can see it in Annabelle and we can see it still today in different things. The boy, you know, things that, that come about with these yeah. freaky dolls. But I think yeah. that was the first one and they would have been well served to leave it there. Yeah, I agree. I agree, but I don't understand why they have to remake everything. I know it's like the i like the, you know, the IP of the of the title. I get that, but um, yeah, that's a film that they should have just left alone. But what can you do, Cliff? It's all about the money, money, money. <laughs> and on that note, we will uh, exactly. we will leave this off until next week. And Keith, I love talking Absolutely. to you. So this was so much fun. It was the irony that next week we're doing a sequel, but it's probably not going to be as good. <laughs> I, I have to leave but, it on that. What he said. <laughs> love you, Cliff. Have a good chat. I'll be listening in. Thank you, Keith. I love you too. And I look forward to our sequel to sequels next Saturday. Absolutely. You take care. All the best. And everyone out there, thank you so much for being here and listening to us. You're all so amazing. And, and uh, you know, uh, other than I have no empathy for any of you, thank you. <laughs> Until Good next time, bit. Keith Andrews. <laughs> bye bye. Quiet, quiet, quiet. None. None. <laughs> bye, guys. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast live. Don't forget, you can get involved on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and if you want to send us an email with any suggestions or recommendations you can send those to film I love most podcast at yahoo.com thank you very much and I hope that you join us next time here at the films I love most podcast yeah.